You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. As you listen to this, it is April 2021. In fact, Vance, when this is uh, when this is launching, it is the day after Easter. So, congratulations for the future. You made it. Uh, for if you're in ministry, uh, congratulations. You made it through uh, the Super Bowl, if you will. Uh, of of uh, pastoral ministry, but we're really excited for you to um, to be listening. Whether you are in ministry or you are leading in a different capacity, we are just blessed and super grateful that we have so many listeners, um, not only around uh, Las Vegas and um, the United States, but even all over the world. So thank you for reaching out and letting us know that you're digging the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Um, if you wouldn't mind, at some point, if you have enjoyed this podcast, we would love for you to rate and review. Uh, it, it honestly helps get the word out and more people can hear uh, and glean from the leadership principles that are on this podcast. So that's enough housekeeping. As always, I am joined here in the beautiful city of Las Vegas with the man, the myth, the legend, my friend, my pastor, pastor, <laughs> I sounded like Letty Peralta, there shout out go. to Letty Peralta, my pastor, my friend, my mentor, Vance Pittman, how's it going, man? Man, doing great, Scott. Yeah, we're just uh, a couple of weeks out from Easter, and I know when this releases, it'll be the day after Easter, so getting ready for that, and also just uh, getting back in town, my wife and I, were away on a trip, um, and just something I would just, as we kind of uh, launch into today, uh, I'm 31 years in ministry and uh, have kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I've never really sat down with a counselor. I've never personally sat down with someone. Um, not that I don't think I ever needed it. I just never took the step to to do that. And my wife and I are at a stage in life and ministry where um, my youngest child is uh, about to finish her junior year. So you got one more year of high school we know we're headed into a new season of life post that with uh, empty nest kind of stuff and just felt like it was a really good time to have somebody look under the hood just to uh, sit down my wife and I together with somebody and just let them kind of look at where we are, help us map the course for, for where we're headed. And um, and I would just encourage you, if you've never done it, boy, it's already been a blessing. I've met a few times with the, the person that's doing counseling with me. My wife and I spent a full day uh, with him uh, last weekend and are looking forward to now some joint sessions for the next few months. Um, it's just really beneficial and highly um, uh, something that I, I, I think is going to be super valuable to us as a couple, just having somebody. I had I really kind of it birthed in me after this last year, 2020, of watching some of my friends in ministry either collapse, burn out, and tragically even some of them ended their own lives and just thought, man, how can you be going in ministry and be that broken at the same time? And just want to make sure I was healthy and in a good place. We're kind of doing it with some of the members of our team here. But, uh, yeah, that's where I'm living right now, just coming fresh off of that um, and and really excited about the future. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, we're jumping into uh, what I'm excited about. is actually going to be a two-parter. So this is going to be an April-May uh, kind of collaboration, uh, really under the idea of failure in leadership. 
and here's how we kind of got here. We receive emails and, and, uh, and direct messages on social media as we've asked you to reach out and let us know where um, you're living in leadership and how we can help. Uh, and one of the common themes is this question, what do I do when my leader fails me? And so, I don't know, a few months ago, Vance and I were just kind of chopping it up about the podcast and where we're going in the future. And we started talking about this idea of failure and leadership, but it wasn't just about being failed by a leader, but also for leaders listening, what happens when you fail? And so as it kind of came about, we are are looking at two different kind of avenues and perspectives of this idea of failure and leadership. So what today looks like in April, we're doing what happens when you fail as a leader, not if, when uh, you fail as a leader. And then in May, we're going to come back and, and, and from a different perspective, talk about what does it look like with some of the same principles, but what does it look like when you are failed by your leader? So just kind of a, a snapshot of where we're going in the next two months. Uh, really excited for the for the stuff today, Vance, and, uh, and we're going to jump right in. Sounds great. So I, I'd like to start off, as Vance and I were just talking about, um, you know, it's always really helpful when you're listening to a communicator uh, just to realize that they're not Superman. They don't have this thing licked. They don't have it figured out. And so uh, I asked Vance to just describe a time in his leadership. As we talk about when you fail as a leader, uh, when I fail as a leader, as we start this conversation, really almost like a uh, almost like a, 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 a parable of this isn't just out there pie in the sky leadership stuff. This is real life in Vance's own life. Uh, so Vance, why don't you kind of give our le- uh, listeners kind of a, a glimpse into an, a time when you failed as a leader? Yeah, Scott, when you asked me that question, man, to think about a story um, from when I failed as a leader, the hard part was not coming up with the story. The hard part was figuring out which one to tell. <laughs> uh, because when you got 31 years, man, there's a lot of times when I look back and think, God, I wish I'd done that different, man. I wish I'd have made a different decision here. I uh, wish I'd have led uh, in a different way in that situation. Um, and I think all of us as leaders, and I know those that are listening in particular, um, that are leaders in different areas of either ministry or education or business, all of us can look back and find those moments when we go, man, I failed. I, I fumbled the ball there. I didn't, I, didn't do, I didn't handle that one right. And I hope that encourages you just as we begin to know um, – that's going to happen to all of us. You cannot, you cannot lead and not have moments where you you fail. You 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 don't lead well. You 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 lead in the wrong direction. Um, that's going to happen to every one of us. Um, and I think it's one of the things that's so encouraging when you read the scripture, when you read the Bible. The Bible is full of the stories of men and women in leadership who, at times, got it wrong and. <laughs> I don't know about you, Scott, but I, I find a lot of encouragement in those stories. I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, Peter, man, is their favorite character in the Bible because it seemed like he got it wrong more than he got it right. Mm-hmm. And there's just great encouragement in that. So thinking about my life and, and stories of of moments where I feel like I failed as a leader, one of the ones that, that kind of rose to the top for me uh, happened in 2007, 2008, and I kind of want to I'll hang it under this statement. Almost every leadership failure in my life, I think, can be traced back to walking past a check in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, you can't have peace from God and a check in your spirit at the same time. 
for me, when I've got God's peace, when I'm when I'm experiencing God's peace as a leader, that that check in my spirit, that hesitancy. And if you've been walking with God for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about when I say check in my spirit. There's just that that hesitancy that the Holy Spirit gives you that you need to wait. It may be that what you're wanting to do isn't wrong. It's just a timing issue. Um, and in my life, er, almost every leadership failure that I can think of can be traced back to, is particularly when it comes to making decisions, walking past a check in my spirit. And, and that's really born out of not wanting to wait on God, not wanting to wait on Him to give me the right thing at the right time. And 2007, 2008 uh, was a moment in the life of our church here in Las Vegas when, man, we, we were about seven and a half years old. Our church was exploding. Uh, we were growing. We'd built our first small facility uh, and had outgrown it. We were in four services. I mean, we had 11,000 square feet of building space. We're running almost 1,800 people in a weekend. Even saying that doesn't even seem possible. Like we were... Every, we were running so many services every weekend that we literally were flipping the building in the parking lot in seven and a half minutes and then starting another service. It was just crazy what was happening. So everything on paper said it was time to sell that building. It was time to go portable again, which we'd done for the first several years uh, of our church plant. It was time to go portable so that we could develop funds and and develop and relocate to a permanent long-term campus, get out of that small facility we'd built. Uh, growth said it was time to do this. The finances said it was time to do this. Consultants that we brought in to evaluate the situation said it was time to do this. Even some of the people that were closest to me on our team in helping me make the decision felt like, man, we need to do this. But But here's the bottom line. Something in me said it's not the right time. Something in me said, it, it, it looks like we ought to do this. It looks like the right thing to do. But something in me said, don't do this. And again, you can't have a peace from God and a check in your spirit at the same time. I had that check, that hesitancy that said, wait. But instead of waiting on clarity, I made a decision based on circumstances. And here's the thing. When I think about how you hear from God and how you make decisions, circumstances are always a part of the filter. The problem is you can't make a decision based on circumstances alone because circumstances can change. And when circumstances change, if you made the decision based only on the circumstances, you can quickly regret that decision. So I made a decision on circumstances. I did what the prophet Isaiah warns about in Isaiah chapter 50 verse 10 and 11. It's it's some obscure verses in the Old Testament, to be honest, that a lot of times people, we read right over. But here's what it says in Isaiah 50, verse 10. Isaiah says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let Get this. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. He's saying, man, when there are moments where it's dark, you don't know which way to go, you don't know what decision to make, here's what you got to do. You got to wait. You got to trust in the Lord and rely on God. But listen what he says in verse 11. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you've kindled. Here's what he said happens a lot of times. We get in those moments of darkness, and rather than waiting on God to bring light, we light our own fire. 
we, we, we burn our own torch and we start following our own direction. And that's what happened for me in that moment. Rather than waiting on God to make the right decision, rather than waiting on him to get clarity, I made a decision based on the circumstances um, and I lit my own fire. And I think leaders make that. I think it's a mistake that leaders make often because people are looking to us to make the decision. They're expecting us to lead. They're expecting us to have direction. And in those moments when we don't have that clarity, the temptation is we light our own fire. We, we, we show our own way. We make a decision based on circumstances alone. And that's what I did. What I couldn't have seen in that decision was what was about to happen in really all across the country, but particularly in the city of Las Vegas. We were headed into an impending economic collapse. If you remember the economic history of America, 2007, 2008, 2009, was the housing bust in America. There was a real estate bubble that burst, and Vegas got hit hard. Uh, So we made the decision, we sold that building, we moved portable again, started raising money to build a permanent campus, and then, bam, the circumstances changed. The economy took a beating. Uh, Over a six-month period of time, we lost 30% of our church family that relocated out of the city, had to lay off 30% of our staff, had to cut 30% of our budget. Um, It turned into a really dark period in the life of our church, and to be totally transparent, Man, our church took a beating. I didn't think we were going to make it out of it, Scott. I didn't know that we were going. It's over the 20-year history of hope. It's probably one of the top three moments when I thought, I'm not sure we're going to get out of this one. And the tough part for me as a leader was I felt really responsible because the Lord, I believe, was, was, was trying by his spirit to communicate with me to wait and all the circumstances, all the input I was getting said, man, we just got to do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I made that decision. And it's one that, you know, I, I still have regret to this day over that decision. Um, now, here's the good news, leader. By God's grace, by God's grace, he takes even our wrong decisions and uses them to accomplish his purposes for his glory. I love that the Bible says that... Um, We know that God uh, causes all things to work together for good. And I love that that all things even includes the times when we step outside of his boundaries. It includes the wrong decisions, the bad decisions. Um, But he takes even those wrong decisions and accomplishes his purpose. Out of that decision that I made, here's what happened. God pruned us. Man, he pruned us literally by 30% of our church being gone. He taught us invaluable wisdom about stewarding his resources. We implemented change in our structures and policies. He prepared us for future growth. All of that was born out of that decision. But, Scott, just transparent, it was a decision that I made wrong. And I wish I could go back and undo. Now, having seen how God's used it, I'm thankful for even the decision because we're sitting now recording this in a beautiful built-out campus that we have. But I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I believe we would have had this anyway without some of the pain that we had to experience to get here. So, well, first, I just appreciate your transparency, and that's exactly what I think leaders listening need to hear as, as a foundation for where we're headed. So basically in this episode, we're going to kind of work through that story. You'll hear him reference it numerous times, but... Uh, what happens? How do you respond 
when you fail as a leader. We're going to give you four ways to respond. And this is one of those ones, if you're driving, hit pause and put on Spotify and get some music going because you need to wait till you're somewhere where you can get a notebook out and write some stuff down. We have intentionally tried to make these very practical. These Again, these are not vague spiritual principles up in the sky. Uh, these are four ways to respond that we hope are very practical. So get out a notebook. How do you respond when you fail as a leader? We're going to give you four ways. Yeah, and Scott, before I give these, I want to I want to make very clear a distinction that what I'm talking about in this episode is a failure that disappoints, if you will. It's it's a decision that we make, uh, a leadership um, uh, direction that we take that it, it's disappointing. It turned out not to be what you thought it was going to be. There's an entire entirely different conversation about the kind of failure that disqualifies. We're actually walking through a situation right now in our lives where we have um, a pastor that we're working with who just fell morally, and it's a failure that disqualifies him for a season from being in ministry. And and we're walking. Now, what I'm not talking about in this episode is that kind of failure. I'm not talking about the kind of failure that means you got to step out of leadership for a minute. You got to recalibrate. You need to get healthy again. I'm talking about the kind of failure that we're all going to experience in a normal rhythm of leadership. It doesn't mean we're. We, we've got deep-rooted sin in our lives. It doesn't mean that there's something broken. It just means that, man, as a leader, we didn't get this one right, um, and we need to, to move towards getting that right. So so real quick, Vance, just before you jump in, just to distinguish that, um, the, 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 the guy you're talking about is, is one of our church planters, not if you're listening and you're a Hope member, you're thinking – which one is it? It's, yeah. it's not a, it's not yeah, a yeah, pastor yeah. at Hope. It's not um, one of our pastors. So, but yeah, Good go ahead. Clarity. Good clarity. So um, four things that uh, we need to do to respond when we fail as a leader. Here's the first one. We got to own it. We got to own it. Now, this is the heart attitude that recognizes that you messed up, that you didn't get this one right. And you internally have to come to grips with that. It's it's what David did in the Old Testament in Psalms when, you know, Nathan said, you are the man. And David finally internally owned it. He owned that he missed it. He owned that he, now obviously the one with David in Psalm 51 is that serious kind of moral failure that that, that uh, kind of pertains to the other one. But the point is that David reached a point where he owned it. He he recognized Peter had to do the same thing after uh, he denied Jesus three times. He had to own it internally. Man, when that when that rooster crowed, Peter had to come to that place where he owned it. And, and here's why this is important, Scott. Often as leaders, when we do make mistakes, when we do fail, we try to approach it differently. Sometimes we try to hide it. Like we don't want anybody to know. We don't even want to acknowledge it ourselves. We try to cover it up and conceal it. Or we try to excuse it. Uh, we try to... Uh, it, it, to, to create a, an excuse for why we did this, or we try to justify it. We try to rationalize it and make it make sense in the bigger picture. Um, like I could do with the story that I told. I could say, well, look how it turned out. You know, it, it's all okay because it turned out well. Well, not necessarily. Um, there's a lot of pain and scars and, and stuff that happened in my own life as a result of that. Um, some collapse and burnout that maybe I could have avoided if I'd made the decision in the right way and still got where God wanted us to be. So the first thing you have to do is you got to own it. You got to be willing to admit on the inside, internally, you as the leader. And listen, 
you're going to be the toughest one to convince because leaders don't like to admit when we got it wrong. But it's okay internally to come to that place where you own it. You come to grips with the fact that you got this one wrong. Yeah, this is that heart work that you got to do because as leaders, we want to jump, and you'll see why in just a minute. We want to jump to the other ones. Okay, how do I fix it? How do I do other things instead of first realizing I got to own this as a leader? So that's the first one, a really important own it. What's the second one? Secondly, you have to admit it. And this is the hard attitude that recognizes that your failure has implications beyond just you. And you got to externally admit that. Owning it is about an internal acknowledgement that I missed this. Admitting it is external. It's about acknowledging, man, as a leader, I got this one wrong. Um, and let me, let me say three things about that. Number one, to admit it requires humility. And I think it's one of the reasons why as leaders um, we, we don't, handle failure well is because I think when I think in particular about spiritual leadership in the church across North America, there is such a dearth, such an absence of Christ-like humility. I believe in the scriptures, the defining mark of the humanity of Jesus was humility. He even said about himself that he is gentle and humble in spirit when he described himself. And I think where you see people walking full of Jesus, you see humility. And unfortunately today in, in leadership, spiritually, there's just a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of guys who and, and ladies who feel like they have to show that they got it all together. We never make mistakes. We try to put this Superman cape on. Um, but, but admitting it requires humility, uh, an understanding that I'm not always going to get it right, um, that there are going to be moments where I get it wrong. So it requires humility. The second thing admitting it does, it, is, is a, it allows others to learn from your mistakes. If you don't acknowledge and admit that publicly, if you don't share it with those, man, hey, guys, ladies, listen, I, I missed this one. I got this one wrong. Others are not able to learn from your mistakes. But when you admit it, others are allowed the privilege of learning from your mistakes. One of the, one of the things you have to do as a leader is realize your responsibility is to lead people not just through your successes but through your failures. Let others see inside the window of your own failure so they can learn from your mistakes. And then the third thing admitting it does is it gives others the freedom to fail. When you as a leader admit you got something wrong, it creates an atmosphere where others can take risks and try or attempt to do different things. And if you never admit, if you never acknowledge, man, I got this one wrong, then others feel like, oh my gosh, I can never make a mistake. I can never get anything wrong. And if I do, I sure can't admit it because this is not an atmosphere. This is not a culture that allows for mistakes. But when you own it internally and then you admit it, you give others the freedom to fail. So first of all, own it. <clears throat> that's an internally coming to grips with it. Second of all, admit it. That's realizing that this has implications beyond you and externally admitting that. And then the third one, Vance. The third one is to reconcile it. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about the hard attitude that recognizes that people may have been hurt by your failure and you need to do the work of reconciling relationships. One of the things that we say at Hope all the time is that following Jesus is all about relationships. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're in leadership, which many of you are, and you're a Christ follower, which many of you are, then following Jesus is all about relationships. And that's not just relationships at church. That's not just relationships in your small group. Following Jesus 
permeates and affects every relationship in your life. Those that you've been called to lead, whether you're leading in ministry, leading in business, leading in athletics, leading in education, uh, those that you've been called to lead, your relationship to them, the way you relate to them, is a part of your following Jesus. Because one of the obvious first evidences of Christ in you living through you is the way you relate to other people. And here's the bottom line. You cannot be right with God and not be right with other people. So when, when, you've, when you've failed as a leader, when you've made a mistake, when you've gone in the wrong direction, the first thing, one of the first things you have to do is you have to evaluate who's been affected by this leadership failure. And you need to take the appropriate steps to make sure you've reconciled those relationships. Uh, Scott, I know you and I have worked closely together for a long time. And there have been moments where I've failed you as a leader. And uh, sometimes I can get so caught up in the details of something because I'm wired very detail-oriented that I can major on a minor. And we can have had an incredible service and one little thing was not right, and and in a uh, an after the service moment, I can kind of dump on you that that little thing that wasn't right, um, and real, I, you know. Then I get in a truck and I'm driving home, and I realize, man, I just we just had this incredible moment with God, and I just kind of killed it. And I've had to I've had to text you mm-hmm. and call you and say, hey, man, I need to make sure that that first of all, I need to ask your forgiveness and get that right. Um, we've had to do that. Yeah, probably more times than I wish I had to admit on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, it's funny. I I written down before you even said that that I was going to bring that up. I, I going back to the admit it thing. I think what you just said is true. But one of the things that I have appreciated about our relationship is exactly that, and it has taught me when I am on the Vance end of things and I'm upset about something. It's taught me to learn from your mistakes, and not not to not to put you on blast, yeah. but this wow, because it really does. Like when I get that call, it changes the game. Mm-hmm. Not only because I respect you and you're my pastor, but just because I've I've walked with you for a long time. Like I'll be like bummed out, like man, that went really poorly, and then I get that call, and it puts wind in my sails, and I'm going as a leader, I want to do the same thing when I blow up on a guy that I shouldn't have. Make sure I call him from the yeah. from the truck and and say, hey, I, I blew that one and I'm sorry. And so, you know, going back to that, it allows others to learn from your mistakes and it gives them the freedom to fail. Like I think that really is a, a real thing. That's just not the ink on a paper. So yeah, I appreciate it. Well, and I wrote this down. I think it's I think it's I think it's a really great way to think about it. You cannot separate spiritual leadership from the relationships with those you lead. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, if you're just thinking secular, hardcore leadership, man, you can lead and you can just use people. But in spiritual leadership, and when I say spiritual leadership, again, I'm not just talking about leadership in the church. I'm talking about wherever you're leading, if you're a Christ follower, your leadership is spiritual leadership. That's why I so appreciate uh, Henry Blackaby's book on spiritual leadership that he used to disciple a lot of Fortune 500 CEOs. Um, Spiritual leadership is not about the place. It's about the person. And you being a Christ follower means that you're a spiritual leader. You cannot separate spiritual leadership from the relationships with those you lead. Because following Jesus is all about relationships. And you're leading. Leadership implies people are following. And the relationships with those people are important. Paul wrote it this way in Romans 12. If possible, verse 18, if possible. And I love that because sometimes it's not possible. 
But if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And that's part of when you fail as a leader, you got to own it internally. You got to you got to say, you know what, I missed it. You got to admit it. You got to acknowledge it. Um, but then you have to reconcile it. You need to reconcile whatever relationships were damaged because of that leadership failure. Um, a real transparent moment. I didn't think about this till we were talking it out. But um, uh, the 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 decision that I made in 2007, 2008 that I opened this podcast with really led to the brokenness of a relationship with a guy that was on our team who actually left our team a few years later. Um, and we really got sideways over that decision that I made back in 2007, 2008. And rather than initially owning it and admitting it, I kind of shifted blame on to some other people around me without even knowing I was doing it. It damaged that relationship. Um, and, and then he left our team, and we really didn't talk for a, a couple of years probably very much. And uh, God really convicted me of some of this stuff. And I actually was on a trip where I was speaking uh, near where he lived now and reached out, and we actually met for dinner. And I walked through these steps, mm-hmm. man, with him. I owned it. I admitted it. Uh, we reconciled that relationship beautifully to the point that uh, by God's grace and his willingness to forgive me and just, you know, we walk through some stuff together. He actually moved back to Vegas. He's not on our staff team anymore, but he's in our, his family's in our church and uh, we have a great relationship again, but it took owning it and admitting it and reconciling it to see that happen. And um, it's, 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 it's beautiful when God allows you to see it come full circle like that. Absolutely. Well, in our few minutes re- remaining, we're going to give you that fourth, that fourth way to respond um, when, when you fail. Yeah, so the fourth thing you got to do is you got to fix it. Um, you don't just let it lie. So you got to own it, you got to admit it, you got to reconcile it, but then you got to fix it. And, and this is the hard attitude that recognizes that other factors other than just relationships may have been affected by the failure. There could be organizational issues, financial issues, strategic issues, long-term planning issues. Um, so you got to fix the problem that you created by a failure in leadership. And I want to just quickly give you four questions you got to ask if you're going to, to fix it in the right way. Number one, why did it fail? Why did that decision, why did that direction, why did that plan fail? You got to look at the specifics of it and say, why did it fail? Um, and for me, thinking back on the story I told at the beginning, it failed because I lit my own torch. I, I made a decision based on circumstances alone, um, and I walked past that check in my spirit. That, that's what happened in that moment. Uh, so the second question you got, not only why did it fail, number two, how did I get here? How, how did I get to the place to make that decision? It's kind of the environment that led me to the moment um, how did I get there and, and, and what needs to change about the process that led me to that decision? Um, and for me, I, I said earlier that a, a lot of the decisions that I think that I've made wrongly in my life are, are back to that walking past the check in my spirit. It's about making sure that there's, and so I mean, now I really do have a, a very thorough, holistic decision-making process that's really spelled out, defined, inviting more people into the process, hearing God together. A lot of those things that you hear us talk about here at Hope, the hearing God together, making decisions together, 
um, have have been born out of some of these types of decisions. So it's it's why did it fail? How did I get here? And then here's the third one. Where do we go from here? What are the steps that we need to take to make right this wrong? To to fix this problem. So you gotta you gotta put the plan in place. And then the last thing is what needs to happen to not make this mistake again? What needs to change systemically? What needs to change about the process? It's really the plan um, to, to answer the second question. So the questions one and three kind of go together. Why did it fail? Where do we go from here? How do I fix it? Then questions two and four kind of go together. How did I get here? What's the environment that led me to this decision? And what needs to happen out of that to not make the same mistake again? So why did it fail? How did I get here? Where do we go from here? And what needs to happen to not make this mistake again? Well, awesome. I hope you have been encouraged. Again, Vance, I just want to thank you just for your transparency. Uh, I hope you're encouraged even by that. A lot of people see Vance. We talked about this before, but a lot of people see Vance, hear Vance, follow Vance, and think, man, if I could only be a leader like that. And amen. I mean, Vance is an incredible leader. I've witnessed it for 15 years. But just his transparency to say, hey, it's not – he had to figure out what leadership failure should I talk about on this podcast. It's not a matter of if you fail as a leader. It's when. Uh, own it. Admit it reconcile it and fix it. So I hope you've been encouraged. Again, maybe just do some heart and soul work um, as you look at your own leadership. And I hope you'll join us in May as we look at another aspect of this is not only uh, are we looking at when you fail as a leader, but what happens when your leader fails you. So that is going to be the leadership failure perspective we look at in May. We hope you'll join us. Thanks again for joining us on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.